On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we take a look at the NC State preview. Hope you're watching this in the morning before the game happens on Locked on Jayhawks. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday on KLWN and Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on today's edition, we're going to do a uh, preview of the KUNC State game, which I know if you're listening to this in the morning, it's you know probably a couple hours away or, or maybe less than that from when KU does take on NC State. So this will be kind of your little primer to get ready for that. Um, because of that, we released this episode a little bit earlier than uh, normal here. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So let's start with the NC State preview. Bill Self is back, and and this goes for now the rest of the season and this week with the battle for Atlantis down in the Bahamas. I mean, perfect timing, right? You come back from a suspension, you get to go on a trip to the Bahamas. Sign me up for that. Um, NC State is 4-0 on the season, but they haven't really played anyone. They had a six-point win over Campbell, which is a top 170 team. It also is a great soup brand. Um, and that was their best team they played. They haven't played a single top 150 Ken Palm team. Their other three wins are against teams that are not in the top 230. Uh, they played a really fast pace, which I think that's kind of the liking of, of what Kansas wants to do and can do. And we know they can be in transition. So that could uh, actually make for a pretty exciting game up and down. Terquavion Smith is NC State's best player. He's probably going to be like a first round pick in the 2023 NBA draft. He's averaging 19 points, five assists, over three steals per game. He's electric. He's uh, an incredible athlete, six foot four point guard who can really get up and down the floor and do really good things in transition. He does have some, I don't know, questions to his game uh, about maybe the shooting and the defensive side of the ball, but he is a very flashy, offensive, uh, exciting point guard for NC State to kind of lead the pack that gives them a lot of talent position. So far, they've taken care of the ball really well. Um, when you look at some of the other things that NC State has done well, besides taking care of the ball, they've shot it extremely well from two-point range. They're hitting about 37% of their threes on a lot of tries, so that's a really good mark. Jarkel Joyner scores 17 a game. He gets five assists per game, um, and... He's 8 of 15 from 3, so he's been really hot from the outside. Casey Morsell gets nearly, um, you know, I don't know, he's he's above 50% from 3 so far this season. He's getting double-figure points per game. He's shooting 11 of 21 from downtown. And um, it's just a really, I don't know, offensive, fire-powered backcourt so far with those three guys. But again, you haven't really played a ton of great opponents, so how much should we take from that? I'm not totally sure i will say one thing when you look at that backcourt they play all those three guys together a lot and all of them can really score there's not a lot of size there um so you're looking at smith at six four is good size for a point guard 
But with Joyner, he's six one. With Morcel, he's six three. And that's who you're playing at kind of the two and the three. So if Kansas is struggling with maybe the quickness aspect of it and the speed aspect of those three guards on the outside, maybe we see a lineup out there where we have the the two guards a lot on the floor for Dewan Harris and Bobby Pettiford or Joe Yesifu. Maybe we even see a lineup out there for a brief stretch of time where they throw out Dewan Harris with Bobby Pettiford and Joe Yesifu or something like that. But I think what you're going to be able to do is whoever is in at the two and three, which like a lot of times is going to be Grady Dick at like six foot seven. He's going to be on a six foot, you know, six foot one or six foot three guard. Or you could have Kevin McCuller at six foot six on a six foot one or six foot three. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of kind of bully ball from the KU wings and, and players on the outside. Maybe we even see some. Remember, we had Christian Brown like have some post ups against North Carolina in the national championship game when he was matched up with like a smaller guard with like. Kayla Love or, or R.J. Davis or whatnot, and I wonder if we'll see some of that in this game with NC State having some of their smaller guards out there, if we could see that with a Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, or Grady Dick. Uh, so KU's going to have the size advantage from the wing in this one. They do play with NC State Jack Clark at the four. He's a transfer, um, I believe, from LaSalle, six foot eight. 200 pounds, so not like an overly large guy, but does have good height and everything. And then they do have kind of the traditional center down low in the six foot ten, Dusan Mahorsic. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, he's shooting over 70% from the field. He's been ultra efficient so far. He's getting about 10 and 8 a game down low. He's not like the primary option, but he has been really effective for them inside. And and I mean, every team you play is gonna have probably a traditional center to some point. So um, we talk about it every game because it's interesting with the, I guess, lack of five uh, dominance or someone stepping up so far for KU inside there. But I guess to this point, outside of Duke, it hasn't really hurt them. Obviously, you got dominated on the offensive glass last game, but that wasn't really a, a part about Southern Utah having like all these bigs down low. You just got kind of out-efforted, out-hustled. Uh, so I'm not overly concerned about that. The big issue is, can you cut off the three guards on their offensive end and can you take advantage of them on the defensive end which i think ku should be able to do um the issue so far for nc state and a big part of it is they're playing a lot of undersized guards has been the defense hasn't been stressed too much by the schedule they are 103rd in adjusted defensive efficiency and they haven't slowed down um other teams shooting much they've rebounded the ball really well on the defensive end so you'll give them that and they have forced a good amount of turnovers and steals. They don't really take charges, so you don't have to worry about that as much in terms of if you are playing bully ball and you know taking advantage of those things, which is a positive for KU in this matchup. But um, you just got to take care of the basketball. You didn't take care of it well enough against Southern Utah. You had 14 turnovers, which isn't like an alarming number. Usually when you get around like 18, 20, like 25, that's when the problems really come. 14 is not like a terrible number. It's still above where you want to be averaging. Uh, especially against a team that um, you know you you figured you were going to be a lot better than in Southern Utah. With NC State, they kind of pride themselves in that and tried to get out in transition with all the different guards and Turquavion Smith kind of leading the break. So you have to take care of the ball a reasonable amount in this game. Now, Ken Palm has this as a nine-point game. It has Kansas winning 80-71. to 71. It's kind of high scoring. Um, I really like that just from a, you know, viewership perspective this could be a really up and down game with a lot of scoring it should be fun to watch and I think that plays well for Kansas we know they can be really good in transition with all their wing size and whatnot and that's going to be even added to with the fact that NC State doesn't have super big guards that you can really finish over those guys in transition 
if the guards stay hot from the outside, again, mentioned two of them are basically shooting 50% from three. If they can keep doing that in this game, which I don't know how the uh, ballroom backdrop affects it because uh, that's where the Battle for Atlantis is played. It's like in a hotel ballroom. I don't know if that helps uh, where it's a better shooting environment or I don't know if that hurts things with shooting. But uh, if they do stay hot from the outside, that's how NC State keeps this one close or possibly pulls off the upset. If you know it's not just a, a really hot game from the outside, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble with some of the matchup uh I don't know, advantages that KU has, some of the mismatches for them with with some of the size on the wing and whatnot, that KU should be able to to roll by this one in, in double figures as long as those guards aren't just kind of cooking you on the defensive end, which that's very possible. We've seen Grady Dick struggle at times on defense. Um, you would think, you, you know, you like Dewan Harris on the outside and Kevin Kohler on the outside, but maybe those guys being a little smaller and quicker uh, poses a different type of matchup in this game. All right, in just a second, we're going to get on to our matchups game um, for some of the individual matchups and I guess category matchups for these two teams. So first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's super easy to use. It's super easy for you know somebody who is looking for a job to find your job on LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, you have the app available on your phone. I know I have it. I get notifications. I'll scroll through it and see what other people are up to, see what jobs are available. And it's just it's a super easy interface to handle and see. And you can easily click on stuff and, and apply for it. And you have your LinkedIn resumes usually already uploaded. It's it just makes the process for somebody applying a lot easier, which means you're going to get more applications. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. You want to finish the year strong just the same way that Kansas does in basketball, same way Kansas does in football this week against K-State, and then in their bowl game coming up in December. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions up get to our our matchups of the game for this one between kansas and nc state and then we're going to do a uh i guess quick i don't know overview i see air battle for atlantis like i said uh with you know the game coming Coming up in just uh, a little bit, if you're listening to this, I guess, depending what time you're listening to it, I don't know, maybe you're listening to this after the game, or maybe you're listening to it at halftime, but if you're listening to it after the game, uh, just to make me sound like an idiot, because I'll probably be wrong on a lot of stuff, because I usually am, Uh, but nonetheless, we'll get to a a whole kind of battle for Atlantis uh, overview in just a second here. So uh, our first matchup of the game, we'll have three here, Dewan Harris versus Turquavion Smith. We mentioned Smith, he's probably going to be a first round pick putting up good numbers. He's a beast on offense. He is really good in transition. He still is a bit young. He still is a bit raw on the half court though. Let's see if Dewan Harris can put some clamps on him. Dewan Harris, uh, excellent on the defensive end. If you can kind of cut the head off the snake, so to speak there and limit his game or make him uh, more inefficient, turn the ball over more, take more shots to get to, to where his output that he wants to be. 
then that's going to really drive everything down for NC State, but also just preventing him from getting to the spots that he wants to get other people open. And Smith has also struggled defensively at times. Um, I mean, here's what the four NC State opponent starting point guards have produced in terms of of point totals. And, and again, that's not against like great competition. 13 points, 18 points, 19 points, 11 points. We saw Dewan Harris score last game. I think he had 14 points against Southern Utah. He's going to have a chance to do that this game as well, while also making life very difficult on Turquavion Smith in terms of the defensive side of the ball. So that's the number one matchup, Dewan Harris versus Turquavion Smith. Number two, Kansas taking care of the basketball. Mentioned NC State good at, at stealing the ball, forcing turnovers. Uh, Kansas has been pretty good at this overall, but last game he had some issues, just too lackadaisical. And again, I don't know that that was, I don't know, it just felt like KU's screws weren't tightened enough headed into that game. And, and we talked about it before, like kind of the letdown opportunity and whatnot between the Duke game and this game. Um, so while Kansas should be good in, in a high tempo game, they're good in transition. They have all the wings to get out and run. If you turn it over, NC State is really good on runouts themselves and either getting to the hoop or getting transition threes. You have to take care of the ball. You have to maximize your possessions here if you're Kansas. And one of the best ways that they get open shots and, and you know can become an efficient offense is by getting those runouts. So you prevent those with turnovers on your end. Take care of the basketball in this one. I think that, you know, there there are certain questions about Kansas in the, the half court. Who's going to be like the number three score on this team? Can they score consistently? But I think Kansas is probably going to be better in the half court than NC State in this one. So um, I, I don't know. You, you still want to get up and run because Kansas is good at it. But uh, you definitely need to take care of the basketball in this one. Number three, NC State inside. The Wolfpack are 12th in the country, shooting over 60% on two-point looks so they've been really good at shooting twos on the offensive end part of that is the big center down low who's shooting over 70 percent the other part of it though is they're able to get out in transition and it's gonna be a lot more effective if you're shooting open layups and open dunks in transition than it is going to be in the half court if you're shooting you know floaters over length right but they've done a really good job at that and um for kansas you have to be able to defend inside kansas has been solid, not spectacular with their two-point defense. They have actually been pretty spectacular. Like, they've been one of the best teams in the country. A big part is that Duke game in terms of uh, block rate down low. Um, but can you do so against NC State? I guess without a true rim protector, even though the block rate is really good, I don't know. I guess we'll see uh, where Ernest, Ernest Uday and, and Zuby Edgefer are in this game after struggling a bit against Duke and then having even more struggles probably against Southern Utah in the last game. This is a game where for Kansas, just if you keep them back to number two, like if, if you take care of the basketball, it probably limits that two-point percentage on its own. But we've also seen Kansas play good defense overall this season. Southern Utah game, again, a bit lackadaisical there. Uh, if you can limit their inside and then on the other end, if you can score on the inside um, and, and find a way to you know take advantage of, again, the fact that they have smaller guards and you have bigger wings and you can kind of bully them to the rim, uh, there's a good matchup for Kansas in this one. A quick note headed into this weekend, Kansas is shooting just 56% on free throws. I, I was kind of appalled looking at that. It obviously hasn't felt great in how they have shot free throws to this point, but uh, when I actually saw that number, I was like, holy cow, because that 56% free throw rate is 349th in the country. 349th. 
Opposing teams are shooting over 73% on free throws against Kansas. So it's a bit unlucky that, I don't know, that, that's not like a, that's like a below average number. So it may be a bit unlucky of, of how opponents are, are shooting against you from the free throw line. But the fact that Kansas is shooting 56% and you have basically a 17% differential at the free throw line, that leaks out to points and certainly something to keep an eye on this weekend in some games that could be a bit closer. Uh, it could just be kind of a bad sample size and, and KU struggling early, but also they do have some guys that, that tend to struggle at the free throw line. Like KJ Adams is 0 for 6. I don't know that you expect any of the, the you know, freshman centers with uh, Zuby and, and Ernest to be like great free throw shooters or whatnot. So uh, Kansas certainly needs to tighten up that free throw shooting and we'll see if it has any impact on any of the games this weekend. All right, we're going to get to our Battle for Atlantis overview in a moment here. But first, this episode is brought to you by online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. With BetOnline.net, you get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer to esports. They've got it all covered at BetOnline.net. And if you love your sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can bet on any of the Kansas games in the Battle for Atlantis. You can, if you're listening to this before it starts, get them at plus 250 to win the Battle for Atlantis. You can also bet on Kansas plus 12 against Kansas State this Saturday or any of the World Cup action, whatever tickles your fancy, Chiefs against the Rams on Sunday. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. After this game, Kansas would take on either the winner of Dayton or Wisconsin. And um, that game would be played on Thursday on Thanksgiving. If Kansas beats NC State, then it would be the morning game. Um, then on the bottom of the bracket, you've got USC, BYU in one game. You've got Tennessee and Butler in another. So if we're looking ahead to the, the Dayton game first, Dayton or Wisconsin, I guess. Uh, Dayton is in the top 40 on Ken Palm. Wisconsin was 41 as of Monday. Both teams have top 25 defenses. They have solid offenses, but they are far from elite. Both teams also have a stud big man. De'Ron Holmes, absolute beast for Dayton, big-time shot blocker. Flyers also have plenty of size with three of their other players who stick in the rotation, who play either the three or four or five for them at 6'8", 6'9", and they also have a six foot six shooting guard. Uh, KU would have to obviously deal with size in the Dayton game. Dayton has played at one of the slowest paces in the country so far. They rank 346 there. They've been bad at shooting, though, and they turn it over a lot, which would mean that Kansas could get out on certain runouts. And, and we know that Kansas is really good at poking the ball free with Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris. So I actually don't mind the Dayton matchup from that regard. Obviously, the, the overall pace, though, and their size would worry you a bit. For Wisconsin, Tyler Wall, a really skilled power forward, sometimes plays at the five. He averages 14 a game. Steven Crowell, who's their normal starting five, is a seven-footer. He scores 10 points, gets eight rebounds a game, gets two blocks. So they have a ton of size, too. They play slow as well, just like Dayton. Uh, they run you off the three-point line, which is interesting. They actually shoot it really well from three themselves, too. But they haven't really shot it well from two, despite having those two big men. I guess the guards are really struggling on two-point shots. Um, but they keep you off the offensive glass. They don't go for extra possessions on their end. They choose to limit you in transition. They also don't turn it over much. I kind of think, even though, like, because we, we saw last year Dayton beat Kansas in the ESPN Events Invitational, you almost feel like, oh, I don't want to play Dayton again. 
I kind of think Dayton would be a better matchup for Kansas than Wisconsin would. Now, either way, you're going to be favored, and you know, should you worry about it too much? Probably not, but I think matchup-wise, you would probably prefer to play Dayton than Wisconsin. I don't know, just based on some of those things. Now, if you're looking at the third matchup, obviously depends. Is Kansas in the championship, the third place, fifth place, seventh place, dare we say? Probably not, but um, regardless, you would be playing again, one of USC, BYU, Tennessee, or Butler. Just some quick hits on each of these teams. Like Tennessee is by far the best on paper. They should be really good this season. They did have an early weird loss to Colorado, who has been a very weird team. Like Colorado like loses to all these like, really bad schools and then they've beaten like Tennessee and Texas A&M and whatnot so I don't know what to think of Colorado this year but uh Tennessee's actually shooting more threes per attempt than any team in the country right now which is kind of weird for a Rick Barnes team but they have an elite defense they have under Rick Barnes seemingly like every year there uh that would be kind of the I don't know, the, the big matchup you would expect in the championship game if it was Tennessee. USC lost in their opener to a sub-200 Ken Palm team. They've been pretty solid defensively. They have good size. Drew Peterson is like a he's like a point forward at six foot nine for them, so that kind of makes their lineups very unique. They aren't shooting it well, though. They're turning it over a bunch. That matchup doesn't overly scare me. Uh, BYU plays at one of the faster paces in the country. They turn it over at one of the higher rates. They rebound the ball well. They let it fly from the outside. They haven't shot it super efficiently, but they do shoot it a lot. Uh, they've been solid, not great on defense. That would be a matchup that is, I don't know, anytime you play a team that shoots a high volume of threes and plays a high tempo, like it can be scary because it's like, well, what are we getting tonight? Like, what if they just happen to go 14 of 28 from three? You might be screwed there. But that would be probably a very entertaining game with their pace and with what Kansas would want to do. So um, I guess if we're ranking the matchups by what would – be most likely to beat Kansas, like on the bottom side of the bracket, Tennessee would be probably most likely. BYU would probably have two, USC three. Uh, and then where would Butler go into this? Butler has Thad Mata as the head coach now. They've been unreal early in getting easy shots inside. They've been super efficient on offense, but they've also not really played a good schedule. They have also turned over teams a ton and defended well inside the arc. But again, that schedule. They lost their only game they've played to a top 250 team in Ken Palm. That would be Penn State. It was a close loss, but that's the only team they played in the top 250. Penn State's actually pretty solid this year, but it's not like a team we think of as like, hey, they're one of the best teams in the country. They struggled to create shots in that game and, and really score the basketball at a high level. So uh, I don't know where I'd put them. Uh, they'd probably be, I don't know, somewhere between USC and BYU, but Tennessee would be kind of the big marquee one. Um, I do kind of think that, you know, if you're ranking all the rest of the teams in the field of you know, who would I be most worried that knocks off Kansas at some point in this tournament? Like one would probably be Tennessee just because they're probably the best overall. Number two would probably be Wisconsin. So uh, maybe number three would even be Dayton, honestly. And that's who you're going to get one of those two in the second round. So uh, on the show or whatever happens in the Kansas NC State game and uh, 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 Kansas State football game, because uh, tomorrow's show will be our final one of the week. We won't have one on Friday because we won't be recording on Thursday on Thanksgiving. So you'll have to ration out the shows for uh, this week accordingly. If you have anything that you'd like for the show to talk about, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today. Bye.